This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's The Bull in Cleveland with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, everybody, it's The Bull in Cleveland with Adam the Bull. I asked and you answered. So now you'll ask and I'll answer. It's a Q&A with me, Adam the Bull, part of the Bet Rivers Network. I reached out to you about getting questions my way, and you delivered with some questions that I will now answer. All the questions you ever wanted answers to, like this. Let's start with this one, because this has nothing to do with sports, and that's fine with me. Uh, Javon Stevens tweets at me and says, Soul food, Mexican, Chinese, Italian, and French cuisine. Rank them one through five. Now, this is very hard to do, Javon, because it depends on my day. It depends on my mood. You know, it depends where I am. Like, if I'm in Cleveland, well... I pr- I'll, I'll lean in one direction, right? Like, I'm, I'm less likely to get Mexican or Chinese, more likely to get Italian or even French. Uh, if I'm in New York, uh, I, I'm more likely to get Chinese. If I'm uh, in spring training in Arizona, I'm more likely to get Mexican. I've also had Mexican, Chinese, and Italian a lot more than I've had French and soul food. In the end, if I had to say, I would rank them this way. One, Italian. Now, I'm including pizza in Italian because, you know, it is. I mean, I I guess pizza really should be its own category. But because you didn't specify, I'm going to put pizza as part of Italian. And because of that, it goes number one. Now, even if I took pizza out and and, and made its own category, I still think Italian would be one. It would be a lot closer But, you know, I love pretty much all Italian food. I can't think of anything Italian food I don't like. I don't like creamy sauces like um, like um, I don't like a pesto sauce or any kind of white sauce. But outside of that, I mean, I love, you know, all the staples, Uh, especially when you go to a place that makes their own pasta, fresh homemade stuff. Uh, It's really good. So I'm going with Italian number one. Number two. Is a tough call, um, but I'm going to go with Chinese. Now, I feel like as I've gotten older, Chinese is a little harder to take. It, it does often mess my stomach up, but when you get good Chinese food, like really good Chinese food, it's hard to top. Now, here in America, whether you're in New York, where I grew up, or Cleveland, where I've lived now for 12 years, you're eating American-style Chinese food. 
It's not true Chinese. Now, not that I'm an authority on that. I've never been to China. I have no plans to go to China. Uh, although I would like to go to Japan in the Far East, but not China. I'd like to go. Where would I like to go in the Far I would. I would like to travel to Japan, to South Korea, to Thailand. Everybody loves Thailand. Everybody I know has been to Thailand loves Thailand. But no, I have no desire to go to China. Um, but anyway. I, but I guess there's part of me that would like to go to try, like, actual Chinese food from China. But in the end, I'm going with Chinese second. It's hard. It, when you get a, a great spare rib, a little shrimp and lobster sauce, an egg roll, some good stuff. All right. I got to keep it moving here. Mexican is third. Now, if I lived, again, if I lived in California or I lived in Arizona Maybe Texas. I've never really been to Texas. I mean, I've, you know, gone through on a flight, a layover, but I've never really spent any time in Texas. But I have spent time in Arizona, and I have spent time in California. And I think if I lived out there, Mexican would probably be higher on my list, maybe even number one, because when you go to an authentic Mexican restaurant, not like, you know, a, a Chipotle, nothing wrong with Chipotle, but it's a chain. It's a it's a good chain, but it's a chain. Uh, but you, when I've had authentic Mexican food in California and in, and in Arizona, I mean it's hard to beat that. But for for I don't live in those places, so I'm going to go three. I'll put soul food four. I haven't had soul food. I mentioned soul food and French food. I haven't had as much, but when I have had soul food, it's always been enjoyable. And then French is last. I'm not a big French food guy. So, um, there you go. That's the first question. And, and I love getting questions that are not just about sports. Um, there you go. Mark Zona tweets, do you still want Ben Simmons on the Cavs? I didn't know I ever wanted Ben Simmons on the Cavs. What's funny is, is there are people, this is great, that, Remember everything I say, or they remember. And maybe at some point I said I wanted Ben Simmons on the Cavs. Uh, but no, I do not want Ben Simmons on the Cavs. Uh, but I, I probably did at one point when he first came in the league. He looked like he was going to be a great player. Uh, but uh, he's not. And I, I want nothing to do with Ben Simmons. And the Cavs want nothing to do with him either. A crispy bucket tweets. This is a sarcastic tweet, but I'll read it anyway. Why are you such a fan of Miles Straw and Imani Bates? Which one will win a championship for Cleveland first? All right. All right, Crispy Bucket. Uh, Imani Bates hasn't played a game yet. Everybody's going bananas. I am not a fan of Miles Straw, as you all know. I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of Imani Bates. I'm not a fan of the absurd hype that has been put on him. It's unfair to him. It's unrealistic expectations. Uh, will either win a championship? Uh, if I had to say who will win a championship first, I'll say my, uh, Miles Straw. Hopefully on the bench and not in the lineup when that happens. Steve Dazzo, who was uh, one of my colleagues at my college radio station. Shout out to the Brockport Golden Eagles, 96 to 2000 for me. Have you been able to replicate our weekly Jimmy Max visit from college along with Brian WGR there in Cleveland. Brian, another colleague of mine from uh, 
uh, 89.1 The Point, our college radio station. Uh, he, uh, Brian Network does uh, radio in Buffalo. Uh, n- no, Dazzo, I have not been able to. Jimmy Max was a place in Brockport, New York. Uh, there were two locations, one in Brockport, which is a college town, uh, 30 minutes outside of Rochester, 45 minutes from Buffalo, and there was another one in Rochester proper. It's the best burgers ever. And Jimmy Max was right on the Erie Canal. And we would go there every week. We'd hang out. Every once in a while, somebody'd fall in the canal. Not good. It was a it was a big bar that everybody went to, but we'd go during the day just to eat burgers. They they would they would serve burgers quarter pound, half pound, three quarter pound, the full pound. If you know me, I went for the pound burger. I I did, you know. Um so here we go. Um, the official academy asked the question. He was he's annoyed that Josh Naylor was not in the starting lineup against Rich Hill on Wednesday uh, last week. And he said, Well, why is he taking him out? Uh would 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 Kevin Cash have Tampa taken out Yandy Diaz against Rich Hill, Rich Rich Hall, but it's Rich Hill. Okay, Yandy Diaz is a righty, Rich Hall, Rich Hill's a lefty, so that's it. The reason Josh Naylor was out of the lineup, as great as he's been, is because he's not good against lefties. Now, I have been adamant that you, uh, about Josh Naylor not being able to hit lefties. However, I will say that because he's been so great since the start of June, that I would not have sat him against Rich Hill. Because Rich Hill's now, if I'm facing a top lefty, a really good lefty, I'd still take Naylor out against those guys. Because he he cannot hit the tough lefties. As good as he's been, he has been bad against lefties. Better this year, but he's still against the really tough lefties. It's a struggle, and you don't want him getting out of his comfort zone. But against the, an old kind of washed-up lefty in, in Rich Hill, uh, I would have played him. By the way, last week on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, we we were talking about I had, we had Marquise Goodwin on, Browns new wide receiver, obviously an Olympian as well. And uh um I asked him if I if we ran a 40 and I started 30 yards in. So I had to go 10 yards and he had to go 40, would I win? He said no, but I do think I could beat him. And, and we uh, timed me doing the 10 yards uh, last week. So I'd love to set that up for charity. Um, that, that would be just phenomenal. David Snodgrass. Love that name. Love that name. Such a great last name. David Snodgrass tweets, Hey, Bull, I know you're a Cubs fan, but who is your all-time favorite Indians slash Guardians player? He says, mine is Gaylord Perry, which, again, like David Snodgrass, Gaylord Perry is another classic name. Um, But uh, who is my all-time favorite Guardians player? It's a great question. So um, there's a few guys that I would consider – for that list, okay? One, 
uh, and he, is Joe Carter. I was a big fan of Joe Carter as a Cubs fan. Uh, Joe initially came up with the Cubs, and he was traded to the then Indians, now Guardians, as part of the Rick Sutcliffe trade, which was a great trade for the Cubs because Rick Sutcliffe helped him get to the playoffs for the first time in almost 40 years. He won the Cy Young that year, even though he didn't play the whole season with the Cubs. Sutcliffe's another guy uh, who is one of my favorite Indians slash Guardians of all time. In, in recent years, it's hard not to love Jose Ramirez. I loved Francisco Lindor when he was here. Obviously, you know, from those 90s teams that were great, you had Jim Tomey, you had Manny Ramirez, you had Albert Bell. But I think, and I'm just trying to think if I'm forgetting somebody, I liked, when I was a kid, I loved Andre Thornton, big Andre Thornton. But, and, and I think in the end, my favorite Guardians player is Carlos Baerga. You know, and I've met, obviously, in in the job that I do, I get to meet players. I've met at least once most of the current, not, not the current players, but most of the guys like from the 2016, from the 2012 to 17 era, I've met most of those guys, and I've met some of the retired players, of course especially the ones that live around the area. Len Barker, great guy. Joe Charbonneau. Um, CeCe Sabathia was in studio with us once. He was awesome. There's so many guys I like. But I, Carlos Baerga, my experience, you know, I always liked him as a player. He loved playing for Cleveland. He was heartbroken when he got traded. His career kind of fell off after Cleveland. That really crushed him. I, I played in a charity softball game with him, and he could not have been nicer. So, even though there's a lot of players that I love, uh, I'm going to go with Carlos Baerga as my top choice, my favorite guardian. Howard Feldenkris, love that name too. Adam, these eighth inning bullpen meltdowns are killing us. Is there a, a turn internal solution, or do we need to pick up someone at the trade deadline? Let me t- let's talk about the trade deadline here. The trade deadline is coming up. Um, and the Guardians at, at this point are it, it, it's such a weird situation. And we've talked about it all year. They're a mediocre team. They're not a playoff caliber team, in my opinion. But because they're in a division that's still bad, they're still in the mix. So what do you do? Um, I I think that if you're the Guardians, you trade Aaron Savali right now. His trade value probably can't be any higher than it is at the moment. Now, I still don't think you can get a huge deal for him. But he's not going to have more trade value than now. He's not a great pitcher. You've got a lot of pitchers. Obviously, you don't have a lot of pitchers at the moment because Bieber's not healthy and McKenzie's might help not healthy. We might may not see either of them the rest of the year. But uh Savali, I would trade. And another guy I would trade is Ahmed Rosario. Because I gotta free up at bats 
for, I would say right now, Tyler Freeman. Maybe Gabriel, Gabriel Arias. Maybe even Rocchio. But I would say Tyler Freeman is the guy I want to see get an opportunity to play every day. It's time to move on. Rosario's played well lately. You're not going to get much from him in return. But it's time for the young guys to play every day. You can't have... Uh, Gabriel Arias right now should be in the minors. Oscar Gonzalez should be called up. Tyler, you know, all this stuff. Tyler Freeman should be playing every day. All right. But in terms of relief pitching, I are they going to do any buy trades? Will they do a buy and sell situation? I could see that. Um, I think the help in the pen is more likely to come internally. They've had some guys that have pitched well in the past, including Karen Check, who are not pitching well right now. The April says, Bolt, here's a non-sports one for me. Oh, he said, uh, she says, for me, it was mostly when Parks and Wreck went off the air and definitely after Superstore was canceled. A buddy of mine gave up after Seinfeld was off the air. At what point did you decide network TV was no longer worth it? It's a good question. Um... I, I, I have not, I, I have only watched since Seinfeld went off the air. I think I have watched two network shows. So in like the last 20 years, I pretty much gave up on network TV 20 years ago, maybe a little less. I don't remember the exact year. As soon as HBO started getting bigger, and then once Netflix started doing their own programming, you know, once that started picking up, it probably wasn't 20 years. But I, the only shows I can think of in the last decade or so that I've watched on network TV, I don't watch anything. There's not a single, I mean, I watch sports, obviously, but in terms of, you know, entertainment programs, uh, I don't watch anything. There's not a single network show I would like. I, every, I've tried a couple here and there. I think they're all awful. They're, they're for an audience that's not me. They're for people that like cheesy things. Uh, network TV is cheesy. There's no edge to it at all. Um, I think everything on network TV is awful. So I, I did watch two cheesy shows over the past decade plus. I watched Parenthood on NBC, and then I watched This Is Us on NBC. Both very cheesy, both very networky. My wife and I enjoyed them. Besides that, I haven't like I, I don't think I've definitely not watched it. Well, I watched one comedy since Seinfeld. I I watched Modern Family when it first started because I thought it was unique, and then it became just like every other sitcom. Let's make the the dad jokes. Let's make the you know it's the same cheeseball jokes. Oh, the dad's an idiot, but he pulls it all together at the end. So I don't remember the exact year, April, but uh, it's it's been a while. And I can't imagine, unless things drastically change, that I'll ever start watching any network TV again. All right. Um, Moblin returns. Uh, th- well, he was actually responding to something. I, that was, I'm excited about St. John. I grew up a big St. John. St. John's uh, was my favorite basketball team. I didn't, as a kid, I didn't care about the NBA. I loved St. John's basketball. And I'm excited, even though Rick Patino's a scumbag, I'm not going to lie. I'm excited he's the coach because I think they're going to be relevant for the first time in 20 years. And uh, Moblin Return says, they will be a sweet 16 or beyond within two years. I hope you're right. They haven't been uh, watching, they haven't been 
worth watching in a very long time. Doyo Pass, another good name, uh, tweets, do you think the Guardians are really committed to winning this year? Well, I guess it depends who you're talking about. I think the players are committed to winning. I think the manager is committed to winning. The ownership is not. Um, ownership is distracted. Uh, one member of the ownership team is running for Senate. Um, they're, they're, they've brought in a minority owner. It may be changing hands eventually. The payroll is embarrassingly low. When you, um, do I think the Guardians ownership wants to win? Of course I do. But are they doing what it takes to win? No. The Guardians have a great front office, a great manager. Now, the front office and the manager have not done a great job in the last year. But overall, they're excellent. But the Guardians have the 26th payroll in Major League Baseball. What's amazing is, going into the season, the Orioles, who who I think now uh, you know have one of the best records in baseball, and the Rays, who have one of the best records in baseball, are actually two of the, the four teams below the Guardians. It's wild. You look at the bottom 10 payrolls, um, or I'll say from 20 down, Brewers, Diamondbacks, Marlins, Reds, Guardians, Rays, and Orioles are all in the playoff mix. Now, the Guardians aren't very good, but they're there. But there's no excuse for the Guardians to have a low payroll. There's no excuse for any of those teams to have a low payroll. The Diamondbacks have a $116 million payroll. That's 21st in the league. That should be the lowest. Nobody should be below that. Nobody. And the Guardians are. They, it, can you imagine how good they'd be if their payroll was, was even $130 million? That'd be $40 million more. And it should be higher than that. There's no excuse. So, no, I don't I don't think they're fully committed to winning. I think they want to win, but they're not doing what it takes. They're not doing all it takes to win. Uh, my man Joe Mers, here's my question. With the Guardians producing more runs led by Naylor and J-Ram and with young starters filling in positively in the rotation, what percentage do you give this team to make the playoffs? Also, could you please reply to this with the link to that show? Yes, I can, Joe. Uh, percentage chance to make the playoffs. Well, they're in a bad division, so I, I give them a 45% chance to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to do anything in the playoffs, but you never know because it's a crapshoot once you get in there. Uh, if they were in any other division, I'd give them almost no chance, but in their current division, I'd give them a 45% chance because I don't think the Twins are very good either. Um, uh, maybe forty-five is too high with the injuries to the pitching staff. I'll I'll say, I'll say forty percent. Drop it a little bit. Uh, go guards tweets Adam. Regardless, regardless of if you should, do you ever feel guilty for rooting for the Bengals in Cleveland, or to a lesser extent the Cubs in twenty sixteen? 
Do you ever find yourself rooting for any of the Cleveland teams slightly more than your own? I love this question um, because it allows me to dive deep into my feelings and my thoughts. Um, I always thought as a kid that you can't have multiple favorite teams, and I don't in the same sport. But I do actively root for the Cleveland teams, but not when they're playing my team. I've always been honest about this. Do I feel guilty? No. Would I have rather the Cubs beaten any other team in the World Series than the Indians? Of course I do. It made it less enjoyable for me. I was I I would rather have the Cubs beaten the Blue Jays, and then the following year the the Indians beaten, you know, whoever. I wish they both had a World Series title. So yes, it was it was a little un- awkward for me that year when they played in the World Series. It is what it is. I was not rooting for the Indians to win the World Series. Had they played any of the other 14 National League teams, I would have, obviously. But no, I I will not root for the Indians over the Cubs. I will not root for the Browns over the Bengals. I've always been honest about that. Um, But yes, it did. I I didn't feel guilty in 2016 because it's a team I grew up rooting for. And I've always been honest with with the folks, with you folks, since I've moved here. Um, Some people told me I was crazy. Boomer Esiason told me I was crazy to admit I was a Bengals fan. But I, I believe in honesty. And so I think most people understand that. So, no, I didn't feel guilty, but uh, I I do wish it was against someone else. Yes. Because had the Cubs played another team in that World Series, I think 95% of the fans would have been cheering for the Cubs with me. But, of course, it didn't happen. All right, thanks for all your questions. I appreciate it. We'll do this again in a couple of weeks. Thanks to Brian Monzo for producing. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'll be back next time on the Bet Rivers Network. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Bull in Cleveland on the Bet Rivers Network.